Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio, show 216 recorded at River Road Studios in Eugene, Oregon. This show was made possible in part by the support of the Herbal Nerd Society. If you'd like to join the Herbal Nerd Society, go to thepracticalherbalist.com, click on the Join the Herbal Nerd Society link in the upper left-hand corner, follow directions, and you would be set. When you go to see an herbalist, what should you expect? That is a most excellent question, and that comes with a rather broad and changing sort of answer. Today we're talking with Sajit Popham, author of Evolutionary Herbalism and founder of the School of Evolutionary Herbalism about modern herbal practice in the clinic and beyond. Now here are your hosts, Candice Hunter and Susier Lupe. I'm Candice Hunter. And I'm Susier Lupe. And welcome, welcome to, to Real Herbalism, Herbalism Radio. Welcome, Seja. Thank you. Yay. I'm so glad to have you back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's we good really- to be back on. We enjoyed our last interview with you that um, listeners can go into our uh, either our website or um, they can check out our archives and, and listen to that one to kind of give a little bit of context. But Seiju, would you spend a second introducing yourself to those that might not have heard the first show? Yeah, so my name is Seiju Popham, and uh, I live up here in the... Pacific Northwest Forests of Washington, and where me and my wife are clinical herbalists and uh, have our school, the School of Evolutionary Herbalism, where we teach herbalists uh, different herbal cultures from around the world and how to weave them together into a holistic practice of plant medicine that focuses not just on healing the body, but also on using plants to facilitate in our soul's development and evolution and really focusing on balancing, you know, the science and the spirituality of herbalism, really focusing on uh, clinical Western herbalism, but also the practices of alchemy and spagyrics and medical astrology and Ayurveda and uh, helping people out in that way. So it's just a little bit about what we do. Yeah, you know that 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 balance is exactly as part of what Sue and I we've been talking about how to create a effective herbal clinical setting. What you know, what many different herbalists are doing many different things. It looks different in many ways depending on who you go to. But what does what is how do you how do you create a balanced and healthy clinical experience or experience when you're working with a client? That, you know, what are the tools that we need to use and what are, and what as a client, what should you expect when you go to see an herbalist? I mean, that's, that's been a big discussion lately and it seems like it's an, a changing, like that's expectations are changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a really great question. Big, big question, right? There's going to be a, mm-hmm. a lot of variety of ways to answer that. And, you know, it's going to really differ from practitioner to practitioner and uh, even from client to client with the same practitioner. You know, I think one of the most important things when it comes to working with people um, as an herbalist, I think a, a critical piece is really starting to define how you want to approach your work with plants and people. You know, do you want to just deal with physiological symptoms? Do you want to deal with just acute stuff, chronic stuff? Is there a certain specialty? Do you want to work with women's health or digestive health? 
do you want to address psychological and spiritual dynamics or do you want to just stick with the physical side? You know, I think starting to really define your unique approach to herbalism is really important. Um, I, I don't I don't really know if people sit down and take the time to, to think about those things. But, you know, if you're going to be doing this for a long time, you want to make sure that you're uh, working with the people that you want to work with, that you're do, dealing with the conditions that you want to be dealing with. Um, so I think that's that's a good first step for people is to really think about those things and kind of how you want to approach it. Uh, you know, as far as working with people goes, I mean, boy, there's a lot of different directions <laughs> we could go here. But, um, you know, I think just kind of on a big picture general level, I think the most important thing to do as a practicing herbalist is to always meet people with where they're at. You know, if someone comes to you with um, a primary complaint, um, you need to make sure you focus on that primary complaint. You know, if they come in with a cough, uh, you know, you know, maybe that initial consultation, it's not the most appropriate time to go into what the relationship is like with their mother. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, and it's really easy for people to, uh, you know, they want to be comprehensive. They want to really look at the whole person. And I think Mm -hmm. that's really important. Um, Obviously, we want to be holistic. We got to look at the whole person. Uh, But sometimes you just got to meet people with where they're at. And you have to be able to address the main reason they're coming to see you today. And it can be really, it's really easy for especially new practitioners to get uh, a little lost, uh, a little confused, a little, I don't know what direction to take this. And so that's why for me, it's really helpful to have uh, some frameworks in mind for how to approach doing the the intake, the interview, to, to really be able to know what is the information, because that's the thing, right? What is the information that you need to get from your client that's mm-hmm. going to give you everything that you need to know to select the right remedies that are going to get the healing result that you're looking for? Right. That's yeah. the main thing. So mm-hmm. we got to keep the main thing, the main thing and not get too sidetracked, um, in other things. So, so I think on a big picture level, I think that's the most important, uh, thing to consider here is just making sure that we always, always, always address the primary complaint. So, yeah, you're talking about having a structure that um, is helpful for the practitioner, yet um, offers Mm. space for the uh, client, the visitor to be comfortable and share what is what is really um, heavy on their soul. And it seems to be harming them physically, a little bit of a balance of both worlds. Absolutely. I mean, to me, my whole approach to herbalism, as I said, is to really, you know, have a balance between the science and the spirituality, the physiological, psychological, emotional, spiritual side. So for me, I'm always trying to meet people with where they're at. And that will usually be the focus. But for me, in that way, in my approach, like I like the way I work with people to also be a balance of my mind, my intellect, my understanding, but also my heart and my empathy and my intuition. So for me on the on kind of the mind side, what's really helpful for me is having just kind of an overall framework for how to approach 
doing the intake and the interview process. I mean, I remember when I was first getting started, I didn't have anything like that. Like no one really sat me down and was like, here's how to do a really great client intake. So, I mean, in the beginning it was just like, well, what's going on? And and then I ask him this question and ask him that question. And then I'd look at my notes and it was just crazy, like pages yeah. of notes all over the place, really scattered, really <laughs> disorganized. And it would be like, I don't even know what's important, what's not important. You know what I mean? It was just, yeah. and it would get really yeah. overwhelming really fast. And so the, the, you know, the main way that I approach it is actually a pretty standard intake protocol used not just by, you know, holistic practitioners, but, you know, it's used by medical doctors, it's used by emergency physicians, you know, there's a, a lot of different um, practitioners that use this approach. And it's a, it's an acronym, and it's uh, OPQRST. And uh, so typically for me, when I, when a client comes in, it always begins with, you know, like, just how can I help you today? What's going on? And this is always an opportunity for them to just unload, like for them to just talk and say anything that they need to say. I don't ask clarifying questions. I don't definitely don't make recommendations. You know, the initial phase, especially when you first start seeing someone, the most important thing is establishing the client to practitioner trust. Mm -hmm. If they don't trust you, they're not going to open up. And so, you know, you know, like, for example, you know, someone, oh, what are you coming here for today? Oh, uh, I have constipation. Oh, well, have you heard of Cascara Sagrada? Cascara is this really great plant. Here's all about it, blah, 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 blah. And, we, and, it, yeah. and it's kind of like we start teaching them. We want to like maybe we want to show maybe we're like not totally confident. We want to make sure they know we know what we're talking about. Right. Mm -hmm. But that just kills it. It totally there's like this subtle energy to a consultation dynamic. And if you do something like it, it just totally flatlines it because they don't feel like you're listening to them. They right. don't feel heard. Yeah. It's and not so about that them. It's about phase, you all of a sudden. Yeah. Exactly. So that initial phase to me is always, I just am a sponge. I'm absorbing everything they're saying. I just let them go. And the only thing I say is, is there anything else that you'd like to talk about today? Any major I know concerns or symptoms or problems that you're having, anything else. So basically what I'm doing is I'm getting a, a numbered list of their primary complaints and I'm going to take time to go into each and every one of those in detail. But the initial phase is just for them to just share whatever they need to share. Sometimes that takes five minutes. Sometimes that takes an hour. Yeah. You know, it just yeah. really depends on the person. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's like, well, it all began in 1964, you know, <laughs> and mm -hmm. sometimes it, sometimes it's like, well, this is just what's up for me right this moment. So mm -hmm. from there, I go into each of those primary complaints and dig into a lot more detail on it. And that's where that acronym OPQRST comes in. And so I'm not going to go into all the detail on it, but real quick, you know, the O stands for onset. We want to know when did this thing begin? What was going on in your life at that time? Um, just details surrounding the initial onset of that pattern. The second one, P, is palliate and provoke. So basically what makes it better? What makes it worse? And that, get, you know, is it better when you move or when you don't move? Better in the morning, worse in the morning, uh, when you eat certain foods or, you know, that yeah. can be, have you tried any over-the-counter remedies or drugs or supplements? Oh, yeah, ginger really helps my upset stomach. Okay, well, maybe we should put some ginger in their formula, right? It's like, <laughs> so they can get a lot of insights into that. 
And then Q is quality. You know, that's just kind of like a general description of how they experience it. R is radiate. Is this radiating into other areas of your life? Is your pain affecting your ability to sleep at night? Is your digestive upset radiating into your ability to go socialize with your friends? Like how is this affecting other aspects of your life? S is severity. So that's usually scale of one to 10, 10 being horrible, one being minor, minorly annoying. Um, that's also symptom score. So, you know, we really need to score where people are at. This is a really important piece of clinical skills is you got to know how bad is it now? And then you give the formula or whatever, and then you take the symptom score again, and you want to be able to tell, like, are they getting better? And I can't tell you how many times this has saved me saved me literally from working with a client because they come back and they're throw my herbs in my face and they're like, your herbs didn't work. I knew herbal medicine was crap. I knew it wasn't going to work. And I'm just going to go back to my doctor. I'm like, well, wait, wait, let's see, let's tune in, you know, Hey, last, you know, what, what, what would you say on a scale of one to 10? Where are your headaches at now? They're like, well, you know, it's probably at a six and it's like, Oh, interesting. Last time it was a 10. And yeah. they're like, Oh, well, actually, yeah, I guess my headaches are doing a little bit better, right? right. So it's like yeah. they have to have that comparison so we can track their progress. And then the last piece, T, is timing. So seasonal timing, time of day. Mm -hmm. Is it all the time? Is it infrequent? It comes and goes. Um, that can be a part of symptom scores too because maybe they get level nine headaches three times a day and then they come back and they say, yeah, it's still a level nine, but they're only getting once a week. Right. Yeah, so that's big. Yeah. 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 So that's kind of my general approach for having structure to an intake and interview. But within that structure, there's always this intuitive flow of things that emerge. And, you know, maybe I get a insight into something, or maybe I have this feeling of, oh, there's something here I need to dig into a little more. And then you kind of go down that trajectory and then follow that golden thread to its end and then someone's like oh where do i go now oh and we return to my framework and just go back to that next part so that's how i like to approach it and i think for beginning practitioners having a framework is really really helpful just to have something to go off of and as you get more confidence then you're you kind of find your own way of navigating through client territory and, um, you know, I think that confidence is a really important piece here. And I think that's one of the number one things that prevents herbalists from starting to see people is they don't feel competent. They don't feel like they know all the things they need to know. And because of that, they don't feel confident. Yeah. And sometimes the, sometimes you just have to make that leap. You don't need to yeah. read another book. You don't need another workshop. You don't need another program. Sometimes the only way you're going to learn the next thing you need to learn is to just dive in head first and start asking people what you can do to help them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That lack of confidence is one I definitely resonate with because that's something that I've struggled with at the very beginning. And I still have days when I struggle with that. Yeah, me too. Totally. We all do. We all do, right? Because why? Because we actually want to help someone. Yeah. We actually care to give the healing to that person. We want to do a good job. And there's always, I mean, I still, you know, it's like I've been seeing clients for 10 years. I still get clients where midway through, I'm like, oh my God, like, I don't, okay, like, boy, this is heavy. Yeah. Like, this is intense. This person has a lot going on. 
holy shit, am I going to be able to help them? Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we all face that. And I think it's a sign that we care. It's a sign that we also have humility. And anytime, anytime I always tell my students, anytime you start feeling, you know, Oh yeah, I totally got this. No problem. Yeah. I'll treat your this, that, and the other, no problem. It's like, Whoa, like easy there, you know, like don't get too overly confident. Right. That's when arrogance, the universe might throw you a really tricky case and you might Mm -hmm. make a mistake, you know? So. Well, I think too, we, we struggle with the balance of power because we, at least in modern America, the last 50 years, or maybe more than that, we've been taught, we've grown up with the idea that something doesn't feel right or something's wrong. You go to the doctor, the doctor has the answers, Mm -hmm. the doctor will give you, you know, and we're giving all our power for healing to the doctor, Right. which, you know, if you're having a heart attack, yeah, that's a really smart course of action. Let the doctor fix, you know, but most of us are dealing with things that are preventable or treatable that we need to take our own, we need to hold our own power. You know, when you go to the doctor and the doctor might tell you, but you need to exercise more or you need to, you know, eliminate gluten from your diet. Let's see how that goes. The doctor might say that to you. You need to take the power to do that and you need to evaluate, you know, as herbalists, we struggle with that as well, because I think all of us have a sort of a fear that our clients are going to come in and hand us their power. And we don't want to hold yeah. that because it's not healthy. I mean, even it, totally. it doesn't it doesn't help people heal to give away their power. Mm-hmm. What helps them heal is when is they take totally, their power back. That's right. And I think this is a really critical thing to consider for the modern herbal practitioner, too, is that most of us, right, are born mm-hmm. and raised in an allopathic paradigm. Like you said, yeah. you feel sick, you go to the doctor, they give you the pill, you feel better. herbalism doesn't work that way like that's just it doesn't the whole mindset the whole approach it just doesn't work and so as herbalists i feel it's critically important as a clinical skill that we have the ability to communicate to our clients how this all works right that yeah we're not gonna just magically give them an herb that's this magic bullet that's gonna take away all of their problems and that they don't have to do anything about it, that this is a a co-creative, we're team working, right? We're working together and that if they want that, they're going to heal themselves, Mm -hmm. right? That the herbs are going to help them to heal themselves that they're, and that to me is the way herbs work, right? Mm -hmm. That the body has an innate vital intelligence that, through our modern way of living become because it's so disconnected from nature, it starts to malfunction. And those herbs just remind the vital intelligence of the body, how to function in accordance with its own natural organic processes. That's not how allopathic medicine works. Allopathic medicine is opposite because it overrides the natural vital intelligence of the body. And so to me, it's critically important that we communicate that to each and every person that we see of like, Hey, like I'm, I can't give you this herb and you can't just expect it to work over. And I can't tell you how many people I've seen where they're like, Oh, your herbs didn't work. And I'm like, well, how much did you take? Well, I took a dropper full. I'm like, well, how often? Well, just once. And it's like, well, <laughs> it's like, it doesn't work that way. It, it's not an aspirin, right? Do you have mm-hmm. a headache? You take an aspirin, it goes away. It's like, you well, know, it's like that's magic. The, that's the, the difference between but, um, symptom management and actual healing. And honestly, 
uh, as a person that works in a clinic, I can tell you that same scenario you just described happens in regular medicine. Well, I took one of your pills and I still have these symptoms. You know, and the doctor's just like, oh, yeah. boy, I'm going to bruise myself with the amount of face palming I'm going to do. Mm. And uh, a, right. a little insider tip, um, you're talking about people coming into a doctor's office and then walking away feeling like, okay, I've got the solution. And you you as an herbalist going, Jesus, I really hope that works. I am I am so full of self-doubt. I sit in, in the break room with doctors who presented themselves as being very confident and they, they come into the break room and then just hold their heads going, oh God, oh, please, please, please tell me that worked. Oh, please let that, that patient come back. Please, I'm so worried. But they, A, don't have time and they, they know they've been given a presence that they're supposed to be super confident just as we as herbalists are. Yeah. Yeah. And it yeah. often comes off as being arrogance. They're just as terrified as we are. They are also human beings. Yeah. So when you go into yeah. that doctor's office, as Candace keeps telling people, you know, take ownership of your own power, yeah. take ownership of the fact that you're talking to a human being and human beings are wrong and they're doing the best with what they can. Yeah. So, you know, That's we're, right. we're yeah. allied with our fellow healers. So, but you, yeah. you have um, mentioned, we've, uh, Candace and I had the honor of reading your book already. You've mentioned in there some herbal uh, and uh, medical herbology that I, I'm hoping we can take a second to talk about. Medical astrology. Medical astrology. Yeah. What did I say? Astrology, I don't know what okay. I said. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm really confused about it. And I'm wondering how yeah. that works into that, your, your herbal consulta consultation. Could you share with us? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, you know, as I mentioned earlier, my whole approach to herbal medicine is, um, you know, really for me and just in my clinical experience, witnessing like not everything is always physiologically rooted, that sometimes people have psychological and emotional imbalances that are directly associated with their physical issues. And so for me, I was always looking for an approach, a system, a method that would lend insight into that, right? How do we mm -hmm. see the connections between these different layers of who we are? And how do we really start to understand the root of that? And, uh, you know, I know in our, in our first conversation, uh, we talked talked about alchemy and the spagyric tradition, and um, one of the sister sciences to alchemy is medical astrology, and that really, you know, I mean, in the Renaissance era, it was standard practice for all physicians, university trained physicians, to be versed in astrology. You know, modern pop astrology is this very diluted, <laughs> very incorrect representation of the. Uh, potency and power of the, the traditional ways that astrology was used. And a lot of people, you know, they think of like the signs of the Zodiac or the planets. <laughs> They're thinking about whether or not they can find a romantic partner. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Right. Or, or think of it as like, Oh, this is who you are. This is your personality or this is what kind of job you should have. Um, but people don't realize oftentimes that there is actual physiological elements to those archetypal forces. Yeah. So each organ system of the body, each tissue, um, even diseases all have their relationships to the archetypes of astrology. And so you can look at someone's birth chart and 
There's mm-hmm. certain ways and areas of the chart that you can look at to assess, for mm-hmm. example, uh, organ system weaknesses, organ system strengths, uh, mm-hmm. potential predispositions for disease, constitutional factors, and how all of that is tied into their psychological and spiritual dynamics. So there's this really, uh, I always say it's like a translation mechanism to see the pattern of relationship between those various layers of the self. Now, from a clinical perspective, um, the way that I personally work with the medical astrology is actually more on the back end of the consultation. This is an area of misunderstanding that a lot of people have. They think I'm sitting there like an astrologer with the person and with their chart in front of them and like doing a quote reading. Um, Um, That's not how I use it. Um, For me, I do the full intake, usually about a two hour initial consultation to do the full intake get all the information that I need. Then I take that and use the birth chart as I'm doing my case review, as I'm doing my formulation, as I'm thinking through the protocol, I'll use that chart um, to further clarify the information that I got out of the consultation. Because when I'm consulting someone, I want to be 100% fully present with that person. I don't want to get distracted by looking at, you know, all these symbols and lines on the chart and, you know, all of a sudden I'm like with the chart and not with the person. So that's how I use it. Different people work in different ways. Um, But typically for me, the chart becomes a place to um, understand their constitution, understand the underlying energetics behind the disease, that being, you know, hot or cold, wet or dry, tense or relaxed. Um, It also gives insights into the timing of things. So sometimes you can look at someone's chart and you can see, oh, based on you know, these planetary qualities in these signs and their relationships to one another, I can see that, you know, there's a potential predisposition here for maybe a heart problem. So we want to start working with our cardiovascular tonics, you know, maybe our Linden and our Hawthorne and, you know, these different remedies to prevent the onset of disease from ever occurring. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, um, let's just say, Eerily accurate the way this works. So for example, I had a client that had a constellation in his chart that was um, the the planet Saturn in uh, Libra. Now Saturn rules things condensing, things materializing. Saturn governs the bones, the teeth, the connective tissue, all those hard structural components of the body. But it really, its energetic quality is like, condensing things out and Libra governs the kidneys. So, and it was in his sixth house of health. Now looking at that, that from a constitutional perspective, that looks like a predisposition for a kidney stone. And lo and behold, um, one, at one point in his life, he had uh, a transit that happened where Saturn was directly opposite had that natal um, mm-hmm. constellation in his chart. And it was in a, what we refer to as a, a hard aspect, a challenging aspect, a square to his, mm. uh, natal Venus who also rules the kidney. Mm. 
So there was the predisposition in the chart, what in Ayurveda we would might refer to as the prakruti, the core constitutional pattern. And then there was this transit, which is like the current weather, uh, which in Ayurveda they refer to as vikruti or your current assumed constitution or your pathological state. And so we're able to see that pattern. And right when that transit hit, he came down with the kidney stone. Yeah. So unfortunately I saw him um, in the acute situation, but you know, where they say the chart, show, the chart shows the disease. It also shows the remedy. So through that, I was able to see what are the appropriate remedies to give, to just facilitate in that process. And in the long run, that, that core uh, predisposition is still present. So now we can give remedies to adjust that um, innate constitutional pattern to, to ultimately prevent that pattern from ever manifesting. So do you focus on giving Ayurvedic herbs or are you um, using things that are local to your area or things they can get in grocery stores or... Yeah, I generally use uh, Western herbs. Um, Mm -hmm. That's the way that I was trained in predominantly using Western Materia Medica. Um, You know, I'm a big fan of local herbs for local people. So I really, as much as possible, strive to work with remedies that grow in my surrounding area. Um, We do have a pretty um, large dispensary, about 150 herb dispensary that we draw from. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I use some Ayurvedic herbs use a few Chinese herbs, but for the most part, I'm 95% I'm using Western European and North American remedies. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I like the idea of being able to draw on the astrology um, as a confirmation. Cause a lot of times when you're with a client, you kind of start to have, at least for me, I start to have a sense of what I think are probably the right direction to go. And some of it I can look at and say, Oh, well, you know, their constitution or, you know, tongue diagnosis or whatever, but having that extra piece helps fill out the picture of the, what they're dealing with and can get offer more subtlety to formulation. Absolutely. I mean, to me as herbalists, we need as many Mm -hmm. assessment and evaluation tools as we can that can be kind of cross-referencing one another um, so that we can get as much information as we can get, you know, to me, um, you know, most herbalists pretty much just do interview and intake, which is great. I think that's the foundation mm-hmm. of our consultation process. But, you know, there's a lot of room for error there, right? Yeah. This is, you know, the person has to be able to, um, you know, understand what's going on in their body, translate it into words, say mm-hmm. those words. We receive those words, understand those words. <laughs> and, right. you know, there's a lot of room for communication breakdown. But with these systems, pulse, tongue, um, iridology, reflexology, medical astrology, we're turning to the body directly for information. Yeah, And I think that is uh, a really, really important skill for the herbalist to have. Um, you know, and it's like, you know, mod- that's one of the great things that modern medicine has to offer is their diagnostic skills are incredible, right? I mean, they can you get blood, the work. blood and the hormones yeah. and literally see into the by x-rays and cat scans Mm -hmm. i mean it's amazing and to me you know they say you know one comparison you know they talk about our birth chart our astrological birth chart is like they call it the horoscope right well you know what other kind of scopes do we got well we got telescopes help us see way out into the into the you know universe and microscopes help us help us see down into the microscopic realm and you know we have this horoscope right it's like i always say it's like a telemicroscope 
that yeah. helps us to see in see into the body, see into the heart, see into the mind, see into the soul, yeah. how it all connects. And then we're able to understand what's going on for that person. So to me, it's it's actually it's funny because this whole thing, like people were like, whoa, medical astrology, that sounds like this super esoteric spiritual thing. <laughs> and it is, but it's also really mechanical too, yeah. right? I mean, my main teacher in medical astrology, she's like, look, this is actually like mechanics. It's very linear. It's very reductionistic in the like, this represents that, this connects to that. That's the meaning of it, right? There's, it's like right. actually pretty straightforward. So it's not quite as out there as a lot of people would suspect. And uh, like I said, it's to me the proof is in the pudding, so to speak. Yeah. And it just the the level of precision and accuracy is breathtaking. Yeah, it's it when you talk about it, it reminds me of that scene in Animal House where they're talking about how what if. We are just one little cell in the mall, in the fingernail of a giant or something. I can't remember the exact words. I can I can see it, but and what they're really talking about is the idea that you know I think in medical terms we look at how different chemicals move in the body and how the cellular structures work, the relationship between yeah. them, mm-hmm. and yeah, and so we're we're looking yeah. at all those relationships and and modern medicine looks as is like gets more and more and more microscopic in how it's understanding the body, and mm-hmm. medical yeah. astrology does the exact opposite, but at the same time it's the exact same thing because you're considering each one of us is a cell within this entire system that is the earth, you know, the earth and the, and the universe and all of that. So we're looking with horoscopes, we're microscoping, we're looking as in a really tiny swath, but within a much bigger system than just the body to figure out what the body needs to do to change. You know, does that, does the oxygen, does it need one more oxygen or one less oxygen in that molecular structure? Mm -hmm. You know, do you need a little more heat or a little bit more cool in this body structure? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like uh, that ancient axiom of, you know, that, 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 that each individual expression of life, each individual being is a microcosm of the macrocosm that we contain within us the same exact pattern upon which the the universe is constructed that as above so below. And you know the 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 that the whole premise of it is the same thing as alchemy and spagyrics, right? That it's separate, you know, we separate, 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 divide, 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 divide in the modern world, but we don't recombine, right? We don't put it back together. And that's the beauty of medical astrology is yes, you can get very granular and look super deep into a singular moment in time. And yet at the same time, you can pull back and reassemble that into the wholeness of the person. And that's what makes it so effective to me is that it's very reductionistic and very holistic at the same time. Yeah. Well, that's a um, that's very helpful that you popped your way through that one because that's something that's kind of been mystifying. Like you were talking about the medical medical astrology, and mm-hmm. and uh, I, I appreciate that you're bringing that into the twenty first century. So um, I mm. know that you mentioned that in your book, which we haven't really talked about, um, but you have a new book called the Evolutionary Herbalism. 
And um, I want to make sure that our listeners get a chance to hear about that extra uh, little uh, icing on the cake that they can take part in if they purchase when they purchase the book. Yeah. So um, there should be a link somewhere in the show notes here to my website where if anyone goes and picks up a copy of my book, Evolutionary Herbalism, Science, Spirituality, Medicine from the Heart of Nature on any major book buyer online. If you head over to that page and just enter your name and email and receipt number, uh, we love to offer a free five-week video companion course um, for free along with it that kind of goes alongside with the book and some uh, integration and implementation materials to help put what you learn in the book into action. And also that I really overwrote the book. So I had to actually cut out a couple chapters from the book. So you can also get the, uh, the missing chapters that I had to cut out as PDF downloads there. Um, so you can check that out. And we just really love to offer a lot of um, just teachings to the herbal medicine community uh, for free and just spread as much of this knowledge out into the world as possible and just help herbalists have the skills and the strategies and the principles and practices that they need to, to just do their work more effectively. Cause mm-hmm. you know, we just really believe in the healing power of the plants and the need, the need in the world right now for herbal medicine. You mm-hmm. know, it's, I think it's really, really important that people have access to the plants and they need the plants need good representatives. They yeah. need a bridge between the world and the earth, the plants and the people. And that to me is the ecological function of the herbalist to unite those worlds together. And I'm just solely focused on giving, doing as much as I can to, to support herbalists out there in the world to, to do their work the best way that they can. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that with us because uh, listeners to our podcast, as well as uh, people that go onto the webs- our website, that's one thing that unifies them is they're all very, very hungry for more information and you are definitely a great ally in that i appreciate that so how can people get a hold of you yeah so we have our uh website evolutionaryherbalism.com and we've got a blog on there with a whole bunch of free videos and we offer mini courses more in-depth training programs for free that we just give away and we've got our full spread of online courses there and live workshops as well we also have our podcast the plant path as well as YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, and all that stuff. So you can follow us on as many of those channels as you wish. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so very much for being with us today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks oh, for thank you in. for having me. It's a real honor to be on the show. And thank you for doing your work too and just uh, spreading all of these good teachings out into the world. And it's just good. I feel like this is what it's all about. You know, yeah. it's all working together to spread that healing out to the people to help the people and, and help the plants too. And mm-hmm. I think this is all, all good work. So it's a real honor to be a part of your, your podcast here. Thank you very much for having me. Aww, thank thank you. you. All right, folks, this has been really fun, but we must head out. So as always, put, put an, an herb, herb on, on it. The statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA. They're not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis 
or treatment of any health problem. Always consult with a healthcare professional before starting any new vitamins, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication, or if you have or suspect you might have a health problem. Any testimonials, questions, or case studies are based on individual results and do not constitute a guarantee that you will achieve the same results.